Hi, my name is Ozzy Jurok. I have the privilege to be the host of OzBuzz, and today it is an honor to speak to uh, Dustin Woodhouse. Uh, Dustin is a consultant for mortgage architects, and of course, he's been reinventing himself in the last two years uh, from being an absolute ace mortgage uh, broker. I don't know how many. Uh, how many you were in Canada, but right up there, and to now into coaching and all sorts of wonderful things. I look forward to it. Welcome, Dustin. Well, thank you, Ozzy. It's an honor to be uh, chatting with you. I, I know I'm going to learn a few things here. Well, so tell me a little bit about your road. I know that you have a strong personal view about uh, having goals, uh, both for your body and for your mind. Yeah, well, uh, hey, one of my favorite quotes is one of yours. Uh, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I love that one. Yeah, I think I first heard you say that yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've repeated it dozens of times to people. Um, yeah, I've certainly always tried to, to take good care of myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, reinvention almost seems to be uh, my, my thing. I, it's not that I'm a you know, constantly seeing something shiny and chasing after it. I, I spent the better part of 10 years in the automotive aftermarket parts business, uh, running a mail order uh, parts business. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you saw uh, a German car with big wheels and a loud exhaust, that was my fault. <laughs> uh, largely, that was my fault. And uh, the currencies uh, in Europe, uh, the, the, the consolidation of the currencies into the Euro drove our costs up. The swing back in 03, 04 with the US Canadian exchange rate just gutted our revenues. And so I found myself twiddling my thumbs from about 05 through 07. And uh, through that three year period uh, or so, I, I had multiple people literally shake their finger in my face saying, you know, you should be a mortgage broker. <laughs> and admittedly, uh, when I was, I think, 24, I did buy a book called Making Money from Your Mortgage. Uh, don't, <laughs> listeners, do not pick that book up now. It's completely out of date. But, you know, I was negotiating with the bank and I thought I should read up. And sure. I, how many 24-year-olds read a 200-page book on mortgages? Yeah. Not that many, but I, I didn't see that as a signpost on the highway of life. Yeah. So I stayed in the automotive parts business. And finally, uh, in late 07, I realized, you know, I, reinvention was necessary. Uh, at that point, the amount of personal debt I was carrying, uh, the, the life situation that my wife and I found ourselves in, like something needed to change drastically and, uh, and quickly. So I thought, as many people do, well, hey, I'll just jump into mortgage brokering and that'll fix everything. And of course, I didn't study up. And as it turns out, now I'm aware, uh, acutely aware, the attrition rate in yeah, BC, yeah. it's 85%. 80, wow. 85 out of 100 graduates uh, graduating from the mortgage brokering course today, yeah. two years from now, will not be renewing their license. And those remaining 15%, 1% are doing well. It's, uh, it's, it's a very, very difficult and business. And why is that? Is it effort, work? Yeah, you know, here, here's one of my favorite things to say uh, when, I, when I'm hosting a workshop, which is now what I do a lot of. So I, I spent 11 years brokering. Um, I, I, I jumped in with both feet, or as I say, jumped off the cliff <laughs> and figured out how to build my parachute on the way down. And, uh, and I did the work. I mean, I showed up at every single real estate related event there was in the city of Vancouver. And in fact, that's how you and I met. That's I, right, I, yeah. I went to... Um, uh, one of your events, and it was uh, the Money Talks event, uh, yeah. Michael Campbell's event, where I saw you walking through the lobby, 
and I just heard you speak and I thought, what have I got to lose here? And, and on the way down, you know what, I've forgotten about this until just now, on the way down to that event, I phoned, I won't say who it was, um, we'll just call him a friend of mine. I phoned a friend of mine, I said, hey, I'm going to this Money Talks event, I'm gonna hear Ozzy Jurok speak. And he says, he says, what are you, what are you going to that for? Yeah. And this is, this is a person yeah. who also was a brand new mortgage broker, yeah. but didn't see the value that I saw in showing up at all these events. And he laughs at me and he says to me, what are you gonna do, get Ozzy's mortgage application? <laughs> and I said, well, you know what, challenge accepted, all right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't get your mortgage application, but uh, it, it, was, it was interesting because it was his voice, you know, sort yeah. of mocking me for going to this event and like, what are you really gonna get out of it? Right. In the back of my mind, as I saw you walking alone, a cup of coffee in your hand across the lobby, and I thought, you know, I'll just stop and introduce yeah. myself. And I, <laughs> I said, I really appreciated your talk. It was positive and, uh, and optimistic, which, you know, in the spring of 2009, yeah. uh, or no, it was, pardon me, uh, yeah, it would have been 09. Yeah. I think it was 09. Spring of 2009, optimism in the real estate yeah. market that was a rare commodity. That's right, the economic crisis. Uh, yeah, well, the world was ending. Yeah. You know? I mean, what most people forget, especially if you weren't in Vancouver, is January of 2009, we had a full foot of snow on the ground yeah. the entire month. Yeah. It didn't matter what else was happening yeah. in the world, no one was gonna buy or sell real estate because <laughs> no one in Vancouver has a snow shovel, snow yeah. boots, snow tires. Yeah. It, 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 the market literally froze, literally froze, right? Um, so it's kind of interesting when you look at the numbers, how everyone assumes it's economic crisis. We had a weather crisis yeah, that exactly. impacted that spring market. But anyway, I, as I say, I introduced myself to you and, and you were very quick to, you know, long handshake hung onto my hand, I still remember it, and, uh, and you saying, you know, hey, we've got this real estate organization, the Real Estate Action Group, we should have a conversation, you should come out to one of our events, come be my guest, and over to your booth we went. And uh, of course, I did come to that event, signed up, and never looked back. And actually, I'm not. This is going to sound like the Aussie Aussie Love Fest a little bit, but I, another pivotal pivotal moment. And again, I've talked about this with. Uh, well, last year I had just under 1,600 mortgage agents across Canada sit in my workshops. 1,600. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is how you reinvented yourself from being the broker that worked 12 hours a day. Yeah. Now you're working with 1,600 yeah. agents and teaching them. Yeah, 12 hours a day might have been a light day yeah. for a while there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, I jumped in with both feet and I spent about 11 years. Well, we processed 1,691 mortgages. Our peak year was 237 files, uh, and that's myself with one uh, dedicated, yeah. amazing uh, associate. And uh, that's in an industry where the, the average, the median, is 24 files. So yeah, and that's and that. But the amazing thing is, in order to do that, you can't do that in an eight-hour day. You know, I mean, no. you always maintained. You want to have the high earnings. You want to be a, that special broker. That's why it's successful. You have to put in the hours. Well, and you know, I'd say to the listeners who um, who are thinking about putting in hours, peak performance, uh, income levels, these types of things. What I've learned, uh, again, from having conversations now with hundreds of top performers uh, in, in the mortgage industry in particular, not one of them, including myself, did it in pursuit of money. Right. Absolutely, yeah. we pursued the first, let's call it 120, we're in Vancouver, let's call it $160,000 a year. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes. yeah. right? Like we absolutely, 
ground it out to, to meet Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We had to make sure that the bills were paid and we were getting ahead of the curve a little bit. Um, however, the extra hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, above Maslow's hierarchy of needs that, as they say, if you want to call it roughly 160000 a year, which incidentally, uh, I guess not coincidentally, that was my target income back in 2009, my first full year. That's pretty um, good for 2009. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and it was math, right? I, yeah. I realized uh, I'm going to earn approximately $2,000 per transaction. That means I need to process 80 files, as I mentioned, in an industry where the median broker is processing 24. How many leads do I need to generate to generate 80 completed files and what months are going to be, you know, June is going to be a busier month than February. So I set expectations accordingly. I mapped out the year as for uh, how many files per month I would close. And then I pursued activities that would generate those conversations. I don't like to call them leads. I like to call them opportunities or conversations. Which makes, which makes a lot of sense. And so as I say, it really came down to taking action to generate those conversations. And uh, again, there's no better example I can think of um, with being sort of challenged uh, than, than you challenging me one night. I was sitting in the front row of one of your events. And, and this is like a, a beneficial story for, from a few different angles for, for listeners. So if you are the designated individual who is going to speak to a group of people on a regular basis, you better make sure you're on time every single time. Yeah. Because the one time you're late <laughs> is the one time somebody else might wedge their way in there. And, uh, and that, is, that is the case. So the, the designated speaker on the mortgage topic that night was a few minutes late. You were on the mic. I'd made a point of introducing myself to you yeah. as, as we touched on. You knew who I was. And this was probably the fourth or fifth meeting I'd been right. to. I'd handed out virtually no business cards in the previous four yeah. or five meetings. Lucky to have one conversation per meeting. Yeah. You know, one to one, one to one. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sitting in the front row, which is another trait that I, I suggest to everyone. If you're trying right. to position Absolutely. yourself, front row. And also, by the way, it's a lot harder to fall asleep in yeah. the front row. <laughs> you gotta stay awake. That's right, that's right. So if you're somebody who likes to nod off yeah. in these things, you sit in the front row, you stay awake. So you looked at me and you said, Dustin, you're a mortgage expert. Come up here and give us an update. Yeah. And that's that pivotal moment where yeah. a lot of people, they look around the room, there are 150 to 200 right. people in that room, and they think one of two things. They think, I'm not a public speaker, I'm not prepared, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't get up there, oh my gosh, everyone will laugh at me, or right. they'll, they'll throw things at me. There's that whole mindset, or there's the, hell yeah, let's go. I'll figure it out while my yeah. mouth is flapping. Sure. And um, I actually think I had both trains of thought running uh, full steam ahead in my mind, but I just, uh, you know, like an out-of-body experience, I got out of, uh, out of the chair and I went up and I grabbed the microphone. And, and again, one of the key things, if you're gonna pursue any kind of new venture, learn your business. So I had been studying up on all kinds of arcane mortgage bits of information, especially as pertained to investment properties, which was who that group largely was. That audience was primarily interested in investment in real estate. 
And I just threw a quick little blurb out there on one of the lenders that changed a policy around rental offset versus rental add back. Right. I'll let your listeners Google rental yeah. offset. <laughs> In fact, don't bother Googling it. Just call your mortgage broker and let, <laughs> let them and understand. If, and if he doesn't know, get another mortgage broker. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. But I mean, that's, it's so true that we have to lift ourselves out of the crowd and we are sometimes worried about speaking. But if you have your, an understanding of your business, who better than talk about it, right? Because in the end, you, you stand in front of the stage, everybody's a little nervous. But then if you talk about what you do every single day, that's mm -hmm. what people want to hear. And they don't want you to be natural, right? Yes. They don't want you to be sort of stilted or say somebody else. They want to see who you are. And I think your stage presence is second to none. But it was a complete fluke. I mean, thank yeah. you for that compliment, but I, I don't know where that came from. I'd, yeah. Never, yeah. I'd never gone to a, a Toastmasters meeting. I yeah. subsequently went to a Toastmasters meeting and I thought, I'm never coming to one of these again. All these people are so nervous. Yeah. I'm going to wind up nervous. Do they know something I don't know? Um, I mean, the only thing I'd ever spoken at was my sister's wedding. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a pretty warm crowd, right? It's, it's family. But you're and talking about your business. Yes. And by that time, you were also passionate about it. You started to have some goals and you saw the potential in terms of income. What I always enjoyed about you that you also matched, you know, you, you did not take the nonsense about you can do it all in eight hours, right? You had to put in those extra hours to have extraordinary earnings. There's no two ways about it, you know. I mean, the Malcolm Gladwell popularized, uh, it was a Harvard professor's theory, I've forgotten his name, as most of us have now, we all associate Malcolm Gladwell with the 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. That was actually a Harvard, uh, Harvard study that was done. And 10,000 hours of dedicated, dedicated practice is important. And if you're working 80 hour work weeks, your 10,000 hours are under your belt in about two and a half years. So you can jump into a brand new profession and you really can become an expert inside of three years if you have the support that I had, right? I, so when I give these presentations uh, talking about my success uh, that, that I managed to achieve in, in the brokering world, I have a slide that says my unique life. Mm -hmm. Now look, I mean, my parents are married, my wife's parents uh, are, still, are still married, um, I, you know, my kids stayed out of prison, like, it, you know, like I, there, were, there were, of course, some health events and some different things, a flat tire, a car accident, whatever, um, but there were no major upsets. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for people who have major challenges, you know, they're a single parent with, you know, three sure, children sure. full time that they're, they're juggling. Um, you know, it, it's a lot more difficult to find those 80 hours. Um, but, you know, I, I do, I credit uh, the support of my family immensely. Uh, that played a huge role in my ability to do but what I did. But you also felt that you had to have a body that was capable of doing it. So you believe in exercise? Yeah, that was a no compromise and, and to this day remains a, a no compromise. I mean, I'm 47 years old and uh, one of the things I've adopted, so I've always gone to the gym, uh, although it's a bit of a, a joke because I am a skinny guy naturally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I ran into uh, my, my friend and I have been working out together for 20 years or yeah. so, as uh, about 10 years ago. We're walking out of the gym around February of the year and uh, an old high school friend who knew both of us, we hadn't seen him in 10 years, he's walking into the gym and he's big jack muscle guy mm -hmm. and he says oh wow congrats you guys finally decided to join the gym bulk up <laughs> and my buddy and i looked at each other it's like man we've been going to the gym five <laughs> days a week for like 20 years like you know so 
Yeah, but but you know, I think it's very important to have some kind of daily physical exercise. And you know, rest days matter, but to me a rest day is the day that you go to a Bikram yoga class or you go for a 30-minute walk or something. You got to be moving. One of my favorite lines about physical health, the best position for your body. People talk about these, you know, should I sit down at my desk, stand up desks, what's yeah. it going to be? The best position for your body is the next position. Mhm. Yeah. I love that quote. All right. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, if you, I mean, 80 hours a week uh, is double what sort of most people consider to be normal. Mm. Well, if you want to have the shape and the, the energy, you've got to also do something with your body. No question about it. And you love biking. And on the weekends, you're out hiking and biking. I, I live vicariously through you on Facebook because while I admire, I do not <laughs> duplicate your events. I. I'm very happy for you to do all of these wonderful things. Well, yeah, hey, uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've been lucky to lucky enough to, to hang on to a dirt bike or a downhill mountain bike uh, just about every weekend for, yeah, the better part of 25 years. And uh, and, and there's a camaraderie there, too. I'm, sure. I'm riding a lot yeah. of times with the same guys. For yeah, I noticed you had one of those helmet cams on, and, uh, you know, it's like talk, and talk about vicariously. Holy mackerel, that's one thing I will never do is, <laughs> is go down those alleys. But the thing is, is now you're 11 years as a mortgage broker and you became one of Canada's leading mortgage brokers, no question about it. Uh, you also had an educational side to you. I always felt that if you ask the question, you take the time to understand it from the listener and his or her particular intelligence level and then you, you match that and you take the time to, to educate them. And so I guess after about 11 years, those 80 hours and repetitive kind of business wasn't challenging enough. Yeah, you know, it's funny, my, uh, my wife at the time, I think it was April, April of 2017, and uh, I, I received this award that I, I don't even think I've mentioned it previously, I don't, I don't talk about it a whole lot, uh, but it was Broker of the Year. Right. And uh, so... And that's I'm, a big corporation to be Broker of the Year in. Well, actually, that wasn't even the corporate one. Mm. That was like uh, the National Association. Oh, no. wow. uh, oh. So it was, yeah, it was out of 18,000 brokers. Oh. Uh, somehow yeah. somebody nominated Numero me. Numero uno. It was, yeah, it was kind of neat. I got nominated the year before, and I, and I didn't win it. Um, and, you know, you don't care about awards until you care about oh, awards. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I didn't care, and then I got nominated, and it's like, ah, I don't care, and then I lost, and I kind of care. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I got nominated the next year, and, and it was really interesting because I was actually down at a U.S. mortgage conference the night of the awards, and I couldn't make the flights work in the time zones, so I couldn't get to Toronto that night. So I was sitting literally with uh, about 800 top U.S. mortgage uh, mortgage brokers. None of them know who I am. There's myself and one other Canadian at this event, and I win Broker of the Year, yeah. and nobody cared. Yeah, like nobody knew <laughs> yeah. it was it was a non-issue, yeah. right? So it was it was very good for the ego to yeah. keep it in check, because uh, really, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but at that point, my, my wife, uh, she made the comment, uh, Carrie, she said to a friend of hers, she said, well, I guess that's going to be for it, it for him and brokering. <laughs> you achieved yeah. the pinnacle. What else is left? Yeah. And I said, that's ridiculous. And she <laughs> says, really? She's like, you've written three books on right. brokering. You're <laughs> starting to do these workshops. She's like, I can see it. You, you can't see it. And I said, ah, okay, yeah, I guess I see where, what, and so that's what happened, really, literally almost the timing of that award and the shift away from full-time brokering, uh, which I say you either do it full-time or you don't do it at all. So really the shift away from brokering 
uh, to the workshops. Uh, it was a hard cutoff in, in May of 2017, and I went deep into the workshops, coaching, one-on-one -on -one training, mastermind meetings, and did a variety of different things. And, and it provided a fantastic opportunity for a year and a half, traveling back and forth across the country, and and just learning about all these different markets and different Well, also mindsets. by writing those books, the questions you got, and they, you became quite popular with other mortgage brokers. Hey, whoever you are, you're the broker of the year, what do you do that I can learn and be better at? And maybe some of them didn't want to hear, you have to work, <laughs> or you have to be full-time. But the reality was that you saw a niche. It was needed to have this hands-on kind of training. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the number one challenge with uh, getting someone truly qualified and enthusiastic to train mortgage brokers uh, is that if you understand everything there is about the role, you can make a significant amount of money sure. doing the job. There is not a significant amount of money to be made in teaching others how to do the job. And I've realized, you know, I can take somebody who's closing 50 files a year to 100 files a year quite easily. Like that, they've got something already ingrained in them. Call it a work ethic, whatever it is, but they've, they've, they've got that thing that, that we can help amplify a few things on, organize and streamline, and we can double their volume. But to get somebody from say, five or 10 files a year to 50 files a All year right. is a Herculean task and it's a lot more challenging. It, it really is. But you know, you, you love action. I know that's, right. that's, that's your mantra, Ozzy, is always action, right? Take action. And so I think you'll appreciate what I'll say here on the topic of, I don't care whether you're a mortgage broker, a realtor, an insurance agent, uh, selling vacuum cleaners door to door, uh, whatever it is. If we went out right now, uh, we're on Burrard Street here in Vancouver, beautiful-ish beautiful day. If we walked outside and grabbed whoever off the street and said, hey, so picture a 25-year-old uh, youth, you know, backpack and a toucan. And uh, hey, how would you like to earn $250,000 in the next 12 months? Right. Pretty much 99% of them will say, yeah, I'm interested, sure. tell yeah. me more. And then they probably pause and say, well, wait a minute, yeah. like, uh, do I need to go into a work camp? Could yeah. I be poisoned? Am I gonna lose a limb? Is it dangerous? Am, like, I, is gonna am be... I a test subject? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is it gonna be weird? Like, yeah. uh, no, 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 uh. no. Here, here's, you only just have to do one thing, really. Uh, well, a, a few things, but the, the one, the most challenging thing. So you, you do need to understand the business. You have to have a bit of a passion for what you're doing. Of course, these things are important. But here's where the rubber hits the road. You need to pick up the phone and make 10 phone calls a day. Just 10. Just 10. 10 will get you there. Yeah. I mean, 20, 30, 40, 50. I had one gentleman in Toronto, that man hit a breaking point in his life and he committed to 80 phone calls a day. Wow. 80 outbound calls. And, and there's no shortage of people to call. And of course, you know, this is, this is what I say to these audiences. I'm like, so there it is, quarter million dollars a year. It's at your, at your fingertips. You need to make 10 phone calls a day, 10 outbound calls, ideally to, to realtors, accountants, financial planners, people who have the trust or the business that you need to be referred. Right. And if you make those calls relentlessly, you will achieve that goal. Nah, man, that's not for me. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I say to the audience, like that's what a whole bunch of you are saying. You're yeah. licensed, you've got the knowledge. All right. The only thing between you and success is 10 outbound calls All a right. day and a whole bunch of them 
will not make those calls. They won't. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I was a branch manager for realtors. I ran a large real estate company with agents, and we've continuously tried to motivate them or find out what it was. And in the end, it always comes down to that. I just don't like this cold calling. We used to call it gold calling or anything else to yeah. you put a dollar number on it. And in the end, it was always true. You had to do something on a regular basis. I like Kevin O'Leary, who wrote in one of his books when he was asked, uh, how did you raise $128 million? He said, I picked up the phone. And then he repeated, I dot picked dot up dot the dot phone, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to do it. We want to all do it through social media. But really, we have to have the eyeball to eyeball, uh, voice to voice contact. I sum it up as simply as this. If your phone is not ringing, you need to make other people's phones ring. It's that Very simple. simple. Yeah. yeah, you should have that phone off its cradle. Now, okay, I, d I dated myself. What's a cradle? <laughs> um, but you should have that phone to your uh, ear, right? I mean, uh, that you should. You, if you, if it's not ringing, uh, you sh somebody else's phone better be ringing. So this teaching got you a lot of exposure in Ontario. You fly there quite a bit. Is that where you do most of the training? Yeah, I think it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of that novelty factor too. Uh, I mean, I know a great deal of uh, very successful brokers in BC, and uh, I think uh, maybe overexposure. I mean, I, I certainly cut my teeth speaking at every single possible event I could get a chance to speak at uh, locally, because obviously there's no travel; it's easy. Um, so people have heard a lot of from me locally. Uh, whereas Toronto, I mean, you do have triple the population and you've got triple the broker population. And in Toronto, the attrition rate is 97.5. Oh, <laughs> so there's a so, constant stream yeah. of new brokers coming into the space. And um, yeah, it led me to spend uh, a good 10 days a month in Toronto over the past year, really. Well, I think it's with you, it's not just the teaching of the actual business, but I mean, you have a great website and you have great posts. I know that, you know, some of the, uh, you know, should you be locking in or have a variable rate, for instance, everybody should go to your website and, and listen to these, to these posts, uh, subject free offers are risky, clarity versus uh, on portability, uh, the assessment, what does it mean? Does it really mean property value and so on? But like maybe how about the variable rate versus fixed rate? You have a specific view on that. Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. And it's, it's born out of personal experience. Uh, you know, as uh, there's that, that Vimeo video. Uh, that, yeah, if you Google Dustin Woodhouse fixed versus variable, you, you get the eight minute long uh, yeah. version. But in a nutshell, what most people are unaware of because the banks don't volunteer this information up front uh, is that the penalties can be 900% higher in a fixed rate mortgage. And of course, I s would say to my clients on the opening phone call all the time, I would say, look, six out of 10 Canadians break their mortgages early. I know you're not going to, but if you stand at the door to my uh, office building here, so uh, the building my office is located in, it's one of the uh, major real estate conveyance firms. I said, you stand at the door and stop the next 10 people who just signed the documents on their house and ask them, any chance you're going to break your mortgage? 10 out of 10 will say, no way, not me. And six of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. The real stats right now, just recently from one of the main lenders, 65% uh, of mortgages are broken at an average of 33 months. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't obviously uh, use this language with clients, but hey, we're on a, a yeah. more of a, a broader audience, so I, I can speak a little more generally. 
But the reality is 96% of businesses fail inside 10 years. 60% of marriages break down inside yeah. 10 years. So if you've got two self-employed newlyweds sitting across from you, <laughs> the, the odds, odds are. the odds are, break the mortgage. Yeah, the odds are stacked <laughs> against them. I mean, they're breaking that mortgage whether they believe it or not. And uh, well, most people think it's just a three months penalty and that's it, but. And that's not the case. I mean, uh, the, the all-time highest penalty we've seen was 11% of the balance. It was a million-dollar mortgage with a $110,000 break penalty. And, and that's sort of the interest rate that was written versus the interest rates that the bank says they now have to reinvest it at and you have to pay the difference. Well, it's a little more arcane of a formula than that even. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretend interest rates. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're using these interest rates in the calculation that they would never actually lend the money out at. So they're, they're artificially reduced and artificially inflated rates that juice the penalty significantly. Now there are lenders in Canada that do just compare your rate with the market rate mm -hmm. and the penalties run closer to 1% of the balance as mm -hmm. opposed to 4.5% of the balance which is the norm in a fixed rate. And the number one reason I'm a fan of variable rate mortgages is aside from the fact that it's been the winning move interest expense wise for 50 years running uh, is remember two-thirds of the people who take a mortgage, they're never going to complete the term. So really, we're only talking about 33 months. We're not talking about five years. Uh, and when they break it, the penalty is just three months interest in a variable rate mortgage. In 90% of variable rate mortgages, there are some unique credit unions and whatnot that have a little bit different interest rate penalties. Uh, but the majority of lenders in Canada, it's three months interest. Yeah, so it's about a half a percent of the balance. Certainly, I would any listener that has a specific interest make sure that uh, Google Dustin Woodhouse go to his website and, and take a look at not just that particular podcast, or, or it's not a podcast, it's a Vimeo video. So they see you yeah. in action live uh, because it certainly uh, is a very interesting uh, point of view on that particular question. Now, you're not just being a mortgage broker, you also then went into the investment area of the real estate world you you bought oh, absolutely yeah I, I eat my own cooking yeah right <laughs> I, uh, I think that's very important I mean with all the brokers I worked with uh, I had a checklist of you know if you are going to work with clients you yourself right. should be eating your own cooking so have you got your will in place? Have you right. got life insurance, disability, critical illness? Sure. Are you incorporated? Have you set up your investments through a hold co? Are you, what are you investing in? Right. Uh, I really believe that, you know, again, we should be leading by example sure. wherever possible. And, uh, and yeah, so I've had uh, investment properties. My wife and I purchased investment properties uh, as far back as 1995, I think was the first one we purchased. Uh, we, we bought a pre-sale on a loft yeah. in Gastown yeah. at uh, Carroll and Cordova. $95,000 for <laughs> a 580-square-foot loft. <laughs> and uh, boy, we sold that property in 2003 when we had a little bit of a personal economic challenge we were, we were going through to before I got into yeah. brokering. We sold that property for $180,000 thought we were geniuses. Died and gone to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal investment. And, uh, you know, it was positive cash flow all the way through. Yeah. We had this huge lift, uh, you know, fantastic. And we had s s three other properties as well at the time, mm -hmm. which we also sold. And, uh, and thus formed the mantra that I've repeated to clients forever. Refi and buy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't sell anything. <laughs> Refinance what you have. Take that equity. Buy another one. Yeah. Refi and buy. You Don't never sell regret anything. the properties you buy, but you regret every single one you sell. You know? That's and right. That's very true in my life. I've often, when I look sort of back, uh, buying and selling, um, you always can say, well, I, I shouldn't have sold it, uh, but I made a profit. But in reality, if I kept everything, would have been better off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 here's the other thing: nobody, nobody buys or sells on logic. No, no one. No. Oh, interest rates, this market, no. that. Uh, no, that this is all nonsense. We do everything we do on emotion, and we justify it. We try and rationalize it, but it's all emotion. I look back. We could have made it through the period we were going through without having sold those properties. We absolutely could have, but emotion ruled the day and we felt like we needed to circle the wagons and that's what we did. Well and there's also times, you know, I mean when I look back, uh, I just uh, talked to the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board yesterday and that question came up, you know, is now the time that it's over, right? I've always been told it's, it's over this year, right? I mean it was over in 1987 and the Russian crisis and Asian crisis and Mexican crisis. And in the end, had you just bought something, anything, in the middle of all of these crises, you would have outperformed certainly the stock market, any other investment you could have had because of the leverage and because in, in many cases the tenant paying it off. And if nothing else, you created the mortgage reduction by making the payments uh, to yourself, right? So, so there's no question that uh, real estate um, timing is important, uh, but its action is even more important. Well, I, yeah, I, I would say action outweighs timing because timing, it's irrelevant. It's, it's, it's short-term pain in some cases. I mean, imagine if you'd bought in a, the peak year when we had a 39% increase year over year. Yeah. I mean, there's many people who they are really glad they did not buy in that year. And that year, of course, I'm oh. speaking of is 1989. Yeah. <laughs> because, of course, prices have never risen higher than they did in the yeah. peak of 1989. And, uh, I mean, my... Uh, my wife and I bought our first home, our first residence in 1995. And we bought from a woman who had purchased the house 11 years earlier for 42000 And she was selling it to us for 168 yeah. And I remember my father saying, yeah. it's gone up 400% in 11 years. That's yeah. a bubble if there ever yeah. was one. Yeah. You know, who's, who's ever going to pay 168000 yeah. for a house in Port Coquitlam? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you're crazy, kid. I don't yeah. know. You know. Well, if you're going to buy it, you know, interest rates were seven and a quarter percent, I think, roughly yeah. at that time. You better lock in because yeah. it's going right back up over 10 percent. Interest rates are going up. Property values are going down. You know, that's what I've had drummed into me from all kinds of non-real estate related yeah. people uh, every year of my life. Yeah. And uh, sadly, we did listen on the five-year fixed. And lo and behold, 18 months later, we were breaking that mortgage. Why were we breaking a mortgage? We were moving to a bigger house. Why wouldn't we have just ported that mortgage over? As it turned out, that bigger house was in the uh, incredibly remote rural area known as Anmore. <laughs> and uh, the property was on Wellwater. Uh. And uh, the bank at the time, uh, rhymes with Bank of Montreal, uh, <laughs> they said, sorry, we don't like that the property's on Wellwater. We're not willing to port your mortgage. You have to break this mortgage yeah. and go somewhere else. And we paid a six, I think it was $6,800 penalty on a $160,000 yeah. mortgage. It was over 4% of the balance. And uh, yeah, it, it just, it was, you know, we'd put 5% down on that house. Yeah. The penalty was almost the entire down payment, almost yeah. our entire life savings 
was being vacuumed back out of our hands. So, well, certainly the the factor that you did buy and that you did buy investment properties uh, means that you, as a broker, you understand what everybody goes through. You know, I used to, as a realtor, have a little I call it the first time buyer first aid kit, and I said because on the way home you think, what do we do? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. did the house have double garage or single garage? And, and so, in the middle of the night, you open the kit and they're aspirin and there's a motivational <laughs> book and all this kind of stuff because it's normal, right? It's a big mm -hmm. investment. Last yesterday at the speech I made, I showed the opening slide and showed headlines of the past and one of them was realtors are prowling like hungry tigers and the house prices will never go higher and the price was 54000 and then I flipped the page and it said 1974. So as far back as 1974, there were the naysayers. I call them naysayers with fur because they, they seem to grow in the winter, you know. Yeah. And so when we look around, of course, we have a real estate bend, but we have seen so many people create a life, you know, mm -hmm. create a, a betterment of themselves by taking that leap and being a little apprehensive. It's almost a requirement that you be a little apprehensive before you sign on the dotted line. Now you have reinvented yourself and now you are sort of the trainer, uh, the man that trains them all and, and I'm sure that we will have see a, even another invention of you in the future. Well, we'll see, we'll see. It may be a corporate role yet. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's playing out as, as we speak, so we'll see where One of the goes. things I love uh, in life is this growing into our own future best, right? There's so many different uh, versions. I think personally I still have at least another 10 reinvention for Aussie, you, of course, being a lot younger, you have probably 20 or 30 reinventions left. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, as I say, I, I, I've certainly always uh, enjoyed our time together over the last 10 years that I've known you. And, and yeah, well, you, you are leading by example. <laughs> you know, you, you are constantly reinventing yourself. I think it's phenomenal. And, and what other way is there to live? I mean, we're, we're so blessed to be where we are. Yeah. Uh, you really can do whatever you want to do. No, no question. And when I look at you and look at your Facebook and look all the actions that you take, both personal in terms of exercising and bicycling and hiking and enjoying life, you do live a life large, which is our motto at Ozbus. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your wisdom. And anybody that has listened must simply go to your website I appreciate that. Dustinwoodhouse.com or is it Dustin yep. Woodhouse? I got them both. Dot Dustin, com and that's, dot ca. that's D U S T A N Woodhouse.com. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir.